Hello everyone and uh, uh, thank you for joining me for the next chapter in the excellent book um, Manipulated Man and uh, just to give you a bit of uh, uh, you know an idea of what's happening I'm in the van and uh, so um, you know this is my territory <laughs> so you know it feels very very comfortable um, and you know just to get that peace and space away from the home a wonderful wonderful thing um, it's highly recommended I must say uh, so yeah I've got this um, van which I've uh, converted into a very basic really uh, day van and um, it's got uh, carpet lined walls and ceiling and, and lights and uh, uh, a little sort of a stove, camping stove just uh, bolted onto the uh, worktop which is um, uh, I bought that as a, off eBay which is a, um, a side kitchen unit which was all sort of uh, pieces of wood so I had to put it all together and that so yeah it's, it's just a very I didn't spend too much uh, time or money on it. Some people really go to town uh, with their vans, but it's, this is just uh, just uh, good enough for me. <laughs> um, and I've got one of those rock and roll beds, which, uh, uh, you know, is uh, quite comfy, actually, so you can get a good night's sleep and everything. Um, so it's all very cosy and comfortable in here. And, um, you know, just give me just uh, a good opportunity to get away from everything and be on my own, uh, which I'm finding, uh, you know, that is uh, very uh, pleasurable. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but, you know, just to be on your own, uh, very you can, um, it takes a lot of practice. I'm not saying it's easy, you know, at first... <laughs> Um, you know, you'll go through sort of loneliness and all this sort of thing, which, uh, you know, if you can break through that, I don't think uh, it's all part of conditioning that you feel loneliness because, you know, you've always been a family or what have you, relationship, so um, you feel like, initially feel like you're going to die or something without somebody there. But if you can really persevere and really, uh, you know, be on your own, it becomes a pleasurable thing. And I always felt, you know, my dad uh, who passed away, he lived on his own, very, very uh, sort of recluse, really. Um, but now I'm seeing that actually, um, from my point of view, I couldn't understand why he was... Um, seemed to be quite upbeat on his own and I couldn't understand how he did it um, you know he used to say he'd been in the RAF and that's what made him tougher um, so I think I feel glad that he had about 10 years on his own uh, and he didn't go out really he was a recluse but I think he probably quite enjoyed it at times I don't know
anyway, um, right, so here we go with the next chapter. Uh, this is called Sex as a Reward. Every method of manipulation is based on the carrot and stick principle. His applicability depends to a large extent on the ratio of physical strength possessed by the trainer and trainee. When dealing with the young, the carrot is favoured as a means of control. It has the advantage of maintaining children's trust in adults so that even at a later date they will bring their problems to their parents and so the process of manipulation is continued. This is much more effective than to start with a stick. If a captive dolphin has learned to do a trick well, its trainer throws it a fish because the dolphin wants to eat it will do whatever it asked of it. Man, however, since he earns money, is quite capable of providing his own food. It would be impossible to bribe him in, it in this way. He would, in fact, be above bribery altogether, were it not for one basic male need, which has to be satisfied the need for physical contact with a woman's body. This need is so strong and its fulfilment gives man such intense pleasure that one suspects that it may be the prime reason for his voluntary enslavement to woman. His longing for subjection may even be a facet of his sexual makeup. The basis of any economy is a system of barter. Therefore, someone demanding a service must be able to offer something of equal uh, value in exchange for it. But as a, but as a man must fulfil his sexual desires, and since he tends to want to possess I've highlighted this, to possess exclusive rights over one vagina. The prices have risen to an extortionate level. Um, that's a very interesting, very interesting um, sort of sentence there. Um, you know, men wanting uh, you know, exclusive use over one vagina, i.e. not wanting to share the vagina, um, makes the price rise, or the value rise it to extortionate level. This has made it possible for women to follow a system of exploitation, which the puts the most exploitative robber barons to shame and no man remains exempt the concept of femininity is essentially sociological not biological even a homosexual is likely 
unlikely to escape without paying his dues. The partner whose sexual drive is less developed quickly discovers the weak points of the other, whose drive is more intense and manipulates him accordingly. It will always be the woman or the female partner in any homosexual relationship. Females in, in brackets, uh, partner in any homosexual relationship who feel who exploits the man. For to be a female means to be undersexed. Blimey, that's shocking, isn't it? Just as woman denies herself any depth of emotion, she denies herself her sexual appetite. How else can a young girl tell her boyfriend she loves him but refuse him her body? Thanks to her mother's advice, a girl will suppress her desires even in puberty for the sake of the capital to be gained later. Well, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because uh, we're seeing a lot of girls, um, you know, not suppressing their desires. But I believe that they will be going back to femininity as a way of um, fooling the male back into marriage and uh, relationships. I think that's coming, actually. Um, with the massive downwave that's coming with the the uh, all the businesses and everything uh, going bankrupt I think it's going to be an incredible time to witness the uh, <laughs> if you can stay alive and that is if you you know can stay alive and well it'll be incredible to witness it um, and all the things that are happening is quite unbelievable quite unbelievable and I think that's uh, due to uh, a lot of uh, very, very feminised men around now. Um, you know, you can't imagine uh, this happening in previous epochs where uh, men be so weak that they allow other men to tell them what to do and to stay at home and not go out, wear a mask, all these things. Um, I think previous previous... Uh, times, uh, you know, people's previous uh, generations would look upon this, the men now as absolutely, um, you know, incredibly feminized and it goes to the top, it goes to the uh, so-called leaders, the so-called government and they haven't got any balls. And I, I think I once, uh, it's once uh, well known said that uh, Margaret Thatcher, uh, when she was Prime Minister, had more balls than all of her cabinet colleagues. And, you know, you can quite imagine that actually. Um, so here we go back to the text. Um, the capital be, to be gained later, that's. Uh, interesting in earlier societies a bride had to be a virgin to be worth anything 
and even today a girl who has little sexual experience will have a higher market value than one who has had a number of lovers. So many times I hear um, you can't turn a hoe into a housewife and that uh, hoes can't pair bond and all this sort of thing. Um, so you know that's interesting. Chastity in a man on the other hand has never been worth much. Blimey. As women do not really care for men. They are not interested in their chastity. I've highlighted that sentence. As women do not really care for men, they are not much interested in their chastity. For this reason, a boy can never be raped by an older woman, only seduced. But let's play, let's... Let a man play that game with an adolescent girl. He will be lynched as a sex criminal by a female mob. A man could, of course, condition his sexual needs as early, easily as a woman, provided his training started at a very early age. Sufficient proof of this are monks, the majority of whom survive without sexual satisfaction, Nobody will seriously maintain that they are all eunuchs. But instead of learning to suppress his needs, a man will allow them to be encouraged wherever possible, by women of course, since their interests are mainly directed towards man's libido. Man is never dressed in such a way as to awaken sexual desire in the opposite sex. And, you know, I think that's so true. I mean, all through my life, um, you know, uh, I've never really, hardly ever had any attention from a female. A glance, maybe, and that's about it. Um, a look is about as far as it goes. Uh, and then look back down to their phone. I mean, you know, the phone, I think they're generally more, ten times more interested in the phone than they are with men. Um, you know, then so you don't really see women looking up from their phone. Uh, it's just sort of a, uh, you know, the all-encompassing eye, I think you could describe it in George Orwell. Um, George or Will, genius. Okay, so, but it is very much to the contra contrary with woman. By the age of 12, she is already disguised as bait. The curves of breast and hip are exaggerating by tight fitting clothes and the length of leg the shape of calf and ankle are enhanced by transparent stockings. Yeah, that's, you know, the gym leggings you see today. Her lips and eyes beckon 
moist with makeup her hair with gleaming tints and to what purpose if not to stimulate the male to ever increasing everlasting sexual desire she will offer her wares like goods in a shop window apparently so near and at a price so easily obtained well I would say that's it's very difficult actually not easily obtained at all in most places no wonder men think there is no greater happiness than to make enough money to pay for such tempting merchandise. Lacking money, or at least lacking the prospect of it, a man will have to do without a woman, and consequently without sex. Nevertheless, the relationship between the sexes involves a credit system, that is, women are prepared under certain circumstances, while the husband is still training for his profession to earn their own money, more or less, as a loan against funeral earnings, and to place their bodies at his disposal. In this case, the interest rates are proportionately high. The profession for which the man is preparing during this time must promise an income lucrative enough to make the woman's investment worthwhile. In general, it is axiomatic that a woman will be expensive in direct proportion to the attractiveness of her secondary sex characteristics. Sorry, I'll read that again. In general, it is axiomatic that a woman will be, ex be expensive in direct proportion to the attractiveness of her secondary sex characteristics and that's the uh, high maintenance woman there I think hence if one man meets another with an especially attractive wife instead of being depressed he should consider how much money the woman is liable to be costing her husband it would be more economical for a man to satisfy his sexual needs with a prostitute instead of rushing into marriage. Prostitute, this is in brackets, prostitute in the conventional sense, uh, highlighted this, strictly speaking, most women belong in this group. So most women are actually prostitutes. But here again, a man will behave by conditioned reflex. Sex that does not cost much is considered correspondingly inferior. His pleasure varies according to the, count, the cost of the woman he sleeps with. And if he cannot get the desired woman any other way, or if there is no other way to keep her, he offers the highest bid and takes her to City Hall. For this reason, women calmly tolerate the professional prostitute. 
Why should they mind when they never feel jealousy as a man does? They, they may well feign jealousy occasionally, of course, just to flatter him. They don't mind the institution of brothels either. Their attitude towards, towards extramarital affairs is exactly the same, unless, of course, they become too obvious, in which case they tend to forgive them. How few women would leave an unfaithful husband. That's so true because uh, I do know um, a man uh, who is um, actually gay, but her, uh, the woman, his wife, is still with him, and he's got a boyfriend. Uh, you know, he, he's um, got a very good salary. Um, so that's so true, isn't it? And how few men would stay with a woman in the same circumstances? Wives will often even welcome a philandering husband, for there are so many advantages arising from his gratitude for her tolerance and forgiveness. Obviously, women would prefer to be able to control extramarital affairs. This explains why the wife swapping parties and pluralist sex practices are gaining favour, for they tend to neutralise the sexual fantasies of husbands and men friends. Moreover, these kinds of sexual release are free, whereas professional prostitution absorbs money, which should be put to housekeeping, as the group of people is usually well acquainted. Rules of hygiene can be imposed and there is less danger of venereal disease, which a man might catch if he visits an anonymous, anonymous brothel. And this is one of women's main worries as far as husbands' sexual adventures are concerned. It is ironic that men consider ordinary prostitutes so very contemptible. They are among the few women who frankly admit that they make money by renting out a specific orifice of their bodies. The female callings of prostitute, actress, model, singer or dancer are not practised by men, but whereas actresses, singers, dancers and models work with safety nets, in brackets, safety nets being the men who catch them when they don't feel like working anymore. A prostitute has no such recourse. When she is tired or ill, there is no one there waiting, hopefully for the time when he will be allowed to support her. No man in our society would be allow a prostitute to exploit him as a fashion model, for instance. Women too despise the common prostitute, but for a different reason. They despise her for her stupidity. A woman who sells her body so ineptly is shockingly stupid by female intelligence standards. They admire only such women as are able to exact an exorbitant price for their favours. For example, those who marry Rothschilds, Arga Khans or Rockefellers. They have impressed on men 
the concept that prostitution is a sordid profession to intimidate men who otherwise might one day be able to draw parallels. The basic principle of sex as a reward does not vary from woman to woman. They all offer themselves to a man, stress their charms, and then, providing he has performed his tricks, satisfactorily reward him, and since they never cease to keep him in a state of sexual excitement, he will demand and reward again and again. It is only men who, with reduced sexual potency, who can afford to make do with sporadic affairs and live the life of a hippie year after year without feeling the need of regular reward. One of the results of this female system of sex rewards that a man with strong sexual needs must be more obedient to women than others. Look at the advertisements for dynamic, enterprising, energetic, enthusiastic young men. So much in demand in business. What are such men, in fact, but sexually dependent psychopaths who have set their standards in women too high? Why else would a man use all his energy and imagination to sell a particular commercial product only for this reward? The whole world outside his office beckons him with a promise of adventure, yet so strong is his sex drive that he gladly forget, forgoes all that is there, and instead buys himself a woman with his hard-earned money. But even if he calls her his adventure, she will never be a substitute for what he has lost. When and if he meets her, everything will follow the strict system of supply and demand with its rigid rules and total lack of surprise. And that, uh, you know, is uh, exactly what uh, the great coach Greg Adams is uh, trying to push to men, the uh, free uh, free agent lifestyle I don't know if you can look on YouTube and ch check his channel uh, really one of the best uh, channels on YouTube for men the old saying that a woman's fate is her body is true insofar as fate has a positive meaning but in the negative sense it is better applied to men. After all, a woman profits from her anatomical peculiarities whenever she can, while a man is an internal slave to his. The male erection is so grotesque to a woman that at the first time she experiences it, she can hardly believe her eyes. However, when she realises that it can be produced by the slightest provocation, not necessarily even a naked woman, a film or a photograph might do, she will still not get over her amazement. It is, after all, a reflection a reflex action, rather than hitting someone on the knee, rather like hitting someone on the knee, probably 
No theory evolved by man as is as absurd as Sigmund Freud's theory of penis empathy. To a woman, the penis and the scrotum seem superfluous to man's otherwise neatly constructed body. They are almost untidy. Well, that's interesting because, you know, people call it junk, don't they? In some quarters, so yeah, very interesting. She cannot understand that after use, the penis is not retractable like an aerial on a portable radio. And as for envy, it would never occur, even to a little girl. Not in her deepest unconscious would she wish to possess a penis, as and as to being at a disadvantage compared to a little boy. That is that is nonsense. For she gets preferential treatment anyway. Freud was merely a victim of training by women's self-abasement techniques, thanks to his mother, wife, and probably his daughters as well. He confused cause and effect. A woman only says she is worth less than a man. She doesn't really think it. If anyone ought to feel a sense of envy, it is men. They should be jealous of women's power. But of course they never are, for they glory in their powerlessness. Um, that's the end of that chapter. And so really, Esther Villar is really taking apart the whole paradigm and she even takes apart Freud who was you know famous psychiatrist or psychologist what have you she completely takes him apart and so you can see the intelligence of this woman to be able to dig below the surface um, and it might be quite obvious to women but you know, to men, this is very um, groundbreaking, I think, this book. So here we are, that's that chapter. And I hope you enjoyed that one. I think that's one of the best ones. Um, still quite a few to go. Uh, about halfway through the book now. And so, uh, you know, I think, you know, it's a... Uh, Probably the next thing I will do after this book is another book reading. Um, and, you know, comments as well. Uh, you know, to, um, you know, sort of embroider some of the uh, sentences and chapters. So, all the best to you all. And I hope this is uh, helping some people out there. Um, certainly uh, it has been um, absolutely life-changing for me. Um, something I could have read when I was about 11, perhaps. Um, and it would have so changed my life. Uh, you know, it would have... If I could have read it, then what a different life I might have had. And really, I think from that chapter, it's obvious that, uh, 
you know, men are so manipulated and they're so driven by their sex drive, they can't even see past that. And, you know, to be um, without a woman is seen as a failure in a lot of places. And, you know, a lot of people would say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Why can't you have a woman? Why aren't you married? And then all this sort of shaming. Um, but um, I think we could be entering a time of greatness for men where if enough men um, wake up to the MGTOW philosophy, um, the you know the the number of men who could live fantastical lives, um, you know, could really grow. Um, you know, live their very best life. And uh, this is something I really struggle with. Uh, you know, it's probably, you know, it is too late for me, frankly. Um, but I, I struggle trying to think about how I'm going to try and teach my son all of this. Um, maybe he displays a very, very um, feminine characteristics, which is very uh, concerning, really. Um, he seems to be quite uh, feminized in a lot of ways. And the thought of me telling him these facts that's written in this book, I think he would say, you know, he would... Uh, he, he, he might even turn violent towards me, and I think I've tried... Um, I have tried to sort of drop a few red pills, um, but he can't accept it. He just cannot understand what I'm talking about, and he, he thinks there's something wrong with me. Um, so I think it's probably... I don't know if I'm going to be able to help him um, because he's so deeply entrenched in as I was I don't think I can actually help him but what I'm waiting for is him to um, perhaps have some bad experiences with female um, which I'm sure he will and uh, maybe just maybe he might come to me and uh, ask for my advice um, and I shall show him this book I probably if it uh, if he can cope with this book I don't know but definitely I will show him something like the rational mail and I'm thinking actually of buying the um, book called surviving fourth wave feminism and just leaving it on the table just to give him um, an idea of what feminism is capable of and what uh, it, how it will affect him in his life um, you know so um, you know the, in his employment and things like this um, which you know 
has affected me even. I mean, you know, it's uh, quite incredible. I did a, a voluntary job for uh, about two years uh, doing um, some menial tasks for a charity. And um, when it came, there was a job going there, which they didn't tell me about. They're all women, by the way, in this charity. And um, they didn't tell me, but I found it online. And I applied. I, I sort of said, is it all right if I apply? They said, yes. But they didn't tell me. And I applied. And I didn't even get an interview. And so at that point, I left in disgust. And really, that was really um, shocking for me to sort of witness how women are uh, towards men. And I think the uh, management were probably, one of them I think was probably a lesbian, and they had very negative attitudes towards men. So I think a lot of men are actually leaving the work workplace now. And I think they really have had enough of it all, the uh, backstabbing and the, the bitchiness. Um, and, you know, as I say, my brother um, is looking for a job, and I keep saying to him, look, give it up, mate. Um, you're going to find problems. And he has. He has. He's had problems all his life having women making his employment absolutely miserable. Um, so that's, you know, two stories of women making men miserable in the workplace. I'll leave you with that thought and uh, speak to you next time. Bye for now.